Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. Let's pray. Let's get into the Word. We're learning something new today. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive, and together our faith is built up. And I pray for wisdom, direction, and instruction. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. All right, so um, welcome again to Singles Forum. And um, for those of you who got the text or the group, Announcements. We're looking at toxic relationships. Okay, looking at toxic relationships and uh, identifying and exiting toxic relationships. Uh, we're not only going to identify them; we also have to learn how to exit them because. Identifying toxic relationships is one thing, exiting them is another thing. All right? And I'll tell you this, right? At this stage of our lives, we almost make relationship the biggest deal about life. But the truth of the matter is that it is not. Praise God. So when you come for a relationship meeting like we are doing, I'd like to call it a learning hangout, uh, a lot of people want to focus on what are the steps? What, how can I get the right person? How can I get... But I have always taught people that I have the privilege to teach differently. I have, I have not always spent my time teaching people how to get the right people into their lives. I've always rather spent time teaching people how to become the right person. Because in life, you invariably attract your kind of person. So if you learn how to be right, you will get the right people come in. Praise God. All right. So... That having been said, I also want to emphasize that when I use the word relationship, I'm not just talking about uh, uh, a boy and a girl relationship. I'm also talking about relationships across board. So you always think that way. So every time I say relationship, don't feel like I don't have anybody. I don't have anybody. No, no, that's not the point. You're not living on an island. In that sense, you are with people. Is that okay? Then, these are just foundation. I'm just clearing the bush for us to start teaching. I'm not started. Then secondly, when I start teaching about identifying toxic relationships, don't always, don't think I'm talking about somebody. You can be the toxic person in the life of another person. Is that okay? Everybody is not bad and you're the only good person. It doesn't work. Sometimes you are the bad person who needs adjustment. So, because when you 
when you're having a topic like this, you are just marking, <clears throat> toxic, Mr. John. <laughs> no, don't go for that, Pastor. I've seen them. No. What that, what that does is that it makes you not look at yourself. And unfortunately, many people do not reflect over their lives. For instance, I was talking to a young girl a couple of years back. She was in three relationships and they were all broken, 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 broken. You know, while we were talking, she was telling me, oh, this one, that's why I broke it, this one, that's why I broke it. You know, when she finished, I never said, have you ever considered that there might be something wrong with you? Because the narrative is that I'm the good person is all the guys that were bad. Right. Now, but while she was talking, I could see a common thread running around the three relationships. And that common thread was really the issue. But no, it's never her fault. It's the people's fault. Are you, are, you, are you following what I'm saying? So I want you to have a holistic perspective as we start studying this. The holistic perspective is this. I can be the toxic person. Then I'll need adjustment. And then this relationship is not just about whether I have a girl or I have a boy. It can also be relationship with people outside of just relationship leading to marriage. Is that, is, that, is that clear? And then I want to also let you know, and this helped me in my life. You don't have a life of experiment. Any relationship that is not leading to marriage, you don't have a business in it. You say, let's just try it. You are not a lab rat. You are not a guinea pig. You are not an experimental specimen. Is that okay? Are, are we clear? That's why you now have people in multiple relationships before they get married and they end up with confused, you know, because you have, you have been with this one, 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 you have been with this one. So by the time you are talking to the person you want to get married to, there are many references in your mind. So the first thing when somebody comes to you, well, we'll talk about that, yeah. But the first thing when somebody comes to you and start talking about the relationship, the, the, the question is, where is this relationship leading to? He said, we are just friends. You are friends with everybody. What's making this special? Why are the calls in this relationship at certain times of the night or at certain times of the day? Are you following? Why is it that, okay, we are just friends, but when I go somewhere, you get angry? What is bringing that anger? Because all my other friends are not getting angry when I visit other people. Do you, do, you, do you get the point? Why do you get angry when my phone is busy and you call? What is, why is this friendship in such a way that is generating anger in certain dimensions of operations? So you realize that you cannot just go with the narrative where we are just friends. No, this can't be just that we are friends. Because not all your friends are getting angry. Are we, are we, are we on the same page? So now, I don't know whether I answered the question last forum. One of the girls was asking, if you now ask, they will say you are getting desperate. And what was my reply? Ask. Whether the person thinks you are getting desperate or not, do what? Ask. There must never be assumptions. Assumptions destroys relationship and, uh, and, and, and clarification brings light to it. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? Okay. So, I remember when I was going out with my wife and you know, we've talked about marriage and everything. And um, 
And uh, I, I told her, well, I wasn't ready. I wasn't really. I was ready mentally for marriage. I was ready spiritually for marriage, but I was not ready financially. <laughs> you, you understand? There are, there are different levels of readiness. We're going to talk about that. Some people are ready financially, but they're not ready mentally. They have money, but they are still mommy's boys. By the time you marry them, you are actually marrying their mother, but they represent their mother in your home. So what that means is any decision, if their mother does not approve, it won't fly. So although you married a man who is financially ready, but is actually a baby. <sighs> okay. Now, so I was ready mentally, emotionally, spiritually, but I wasn't ready financially. And um, well, I, I spoke with my wife, we talked about marriage. So he said, when do you want to marry? And, and, and then I, I was like, maybe uh, a year or something, something, something. And she just told me, sorry, I can't wait for that. I'm not, I'm not in a hurry. It's not like I'm growing old. But I don't have that length of time. I've always said our relationship would either be one year max or six months. I don't have one and a half, 18 months to 17 months and 19 months relationship span. And, you know, it was for me, it was like, okay, do I want to, I, I believe this is something God wants to use to help someone. It's not connected to what I'm teaching, but I believe it's a word of knowledge. So for me, it was like, do I let this girl go or do I hasten my financial readiness? So I had to, no, I can't let her go. So I have to work harder. So I had to quickly double up <laughs> what I was doing. Now, that came because she laid a marker. That's where I'm going. Are, are you following? She just came and said, listen, I like you everything. It is fine, but I will not be able to wait till this time. Not because I'm in a hurry, but I'm not going to put my life on hold, you know, all of this period waiting for you. Did she sound desperate? I don't care. I really don't care that she sounded desperate. It was now left for me to decide, can I go based on her terms, in terms of when she wants to get married or not? And then when her, when my, my, my father-in-law is a military guy, so he's based in uh, Lokoja, Kogi State. So I, I'm sure he had very funny experience with Delta people all around military. So, so when she heard that, when he heard that I was from Delta, he was like, no, my daughter will never marry a Delta person, you know? And so we were like that, going back and forth, going back and forth. So, I mean, at a point, myself and my wife decided, we cannot be going back and forth on whether your father will allow you to marry me or not. We'll give this thing four months. If your father does not agree, it will pain both of us. We will cry, but we won't die. We will now have to move on. You, you, do, do you understand? Relationship is not where you build a camp. It's a phase of your life. So you can't be dating one person for seven years. We have known since primary school. What are you people doing? I, I do understand. And it's draining your energy. It's draining. So what I'm trying to say is this. Don't, don't make relationship your ultimate life goal. This guy wants to marry you. He's not ready. He's going to wait for six years. Well, um, like I'm saying, there are also people who say, well, myself and my wife, we dated for 15 years, and he waited for me, and after 20 years, we got married, and we're happily married. I don't care. My instruction to you is, listen, get into a relationship when you are ready. 
If you are not ready, there are many things that you can use your life for that will occupy your time. I, I don't know if you, if you get my point. All right. Now, let's now go into today's talk, right? Toxic relationships. I'll give you a quote by a man called Doug Jones, a pastor called Doug Jones. He says, the evidence of honoring God is to view his word as the only instructional source to live life at his best. Our opinions and ways, when they differ with God's instruction, will lead us into substandard existence. What is he trying to say? He said, listen, when you look at the word of God, don't look at the word of God as just a tool to make heaven, in quote. God's word are the instructions to have the best life. So whether it has to do with relationship, whether it has to do with finance, whatever it has to do, you look at God's word as what? As instructions for your life. So your relationship will define your life. This is me now. That's not him. This is me speaking now. Your relationship will define your life. No relationship will leave you the same. Not one. Every relationship will either make you progress or will make you do what? Get back. There is no relationship that will leave you on the same spot. Let me explain this to you. When you get into any form of relationship and you pull out, uh, how do I explain this now? Uh, it's like you use a cello tape, right? And if I put a cello tape on this place, right? Maybe a really sticky tape, right? And I just pull it. Even if it's for three minutes or one minute or two minutes and I pull it out, it didn't stay long. But how many of you know you're going to find traces of it? Right? Come on, are you with me? You're going to find traces of it. No relationship would leave you the same. Even though you say, well, uh, I forgot to, he's past. Hey, ah, don't mind that guy. He's not serious. Once in a while, when you are alone, your mind will roll back. The hearts will come back. The emotions will come back. The law of experience will come back. And so that's why it is very you have to be very careful when you're going into relationships to really determine what's the purpose of this relationship. And clarity from day one is big. Be clear. Be very clear. Praise God. God places high premium on relationships. Your relationship will either make you better, make you better that's to progress, or it'll take you backwards. What's the definition of the word toxic? The Webster Dictionary gives four meanings. Number one, something containing or being like a poisonous material, especially something that is capable of causing death. So when we say something is toxic, we're saying that it contains a poisonous substance. It contains uh, a substance that can lead to death. And you know, the truth of the matter is that if you want to poison a dog or poison a rat, some of you that buy these rat killers, you know, the poison is always packaged well. Right. I don't know how they kill rats now. It's been a long time I saw rats. But I know growing up, when we wanted to kill rats, we had to buy these. Uh, there was one capsule my mom used to send us to buy. I don't know what capsule is that. And then you put it inside bread. Huh? <laughs> some of you. So, uh, uh, 
Those are my brothers in rat killing. And, and you put it there. What does the rat see? Bread. But what's in the bread? You know it's difficult to advise the rat not to eat that bread. So what do you see? You see relationship. But what's in the relationship? Poison. So you have to be careful now. Because no toxic relationship is going to come into your life and say, listen, I'm coming to destroy your life. Nobody's going to do that. You're going to hear the nice words. I can't sleep without you. I can't eat without you. Don't believe that. Praise God. So, 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 a toxic relationship does not appear so in the beginning or from the onset. That's why we're talking about identifying it. So we're going to share a few things that will make you to be able to identify and all this, this, this is leading that way. Number two definition, Webster. Exhibiting symptoms of infection. Exhibiting symptoms. I like that word. Symptoms of infection. So it might not be full-blown, but there are symptoms of it. And I'll tell you this, I've been privileged by the mercies and the grace of God to pastor for at least over 10 years. And when I sit with people solving marital crisis, listen very carefully to what I'm telling you now. When I'm sitting with people solving marital crisis, do you know one thing I pick up? Everything that caused a crisis in that marriage they all picked up during courtship, but they didn't pay attention to it. So when you ask them, was this person like you say he was like that too? So I thought he would change. Are you feeling what I'm saying? So signs lead you to somewhere. Signs are not the things, but they lead you somewhere. Like if you go out on the sign, but now you see a signpost there. That's not the church. You can't go stand under disciples now and say, Pastor, well, we have come for singles forum. I won't meet you there. Are, are you following? But the sign tells you that the church is here. So when we talk about signs of infection or the signs of toxic relationship, they are pointing you to something bigger. So you need to pay attention to those signs. You need to pay attention to those signs. Number three, extremely harsh or malicious. To be toxic means to be extremely harsh or malicious. Now, to also be, to be toxic means relating to or being an asset that has lost so much value that it cannot be sold on the market. That means there's no value in this thing. You are in a relationship, but there is no value. The value is just ephemeral. It's just, there's really no real value there. And I want us to be very careful because we, our world is sold on sensationalism. We, we live in a very, I don't know how to explain it. We live in a world that is so ruled by emotions. It's very emotional. We live in an emotional world. And it's because sometimes we allow the media to drive the narrative, the films we watch. 
So you, you watch a lot of romantic movies, you watch a lot of, uh, and all of these movies, and then you have a definition of love in your mind. And what's the definition of love? You go to the beach, run around the coconut uh, trees with shorts and no, no slippers, drink coconut water from coconuts, you know, and then they are running, pursuing you in the beach, and you're running and running, and you know, they catch you, you all fall on the sand, and you know, when you've watched that over time, you will begin to rearrange your definition of love. You begin to rearrange your definition of love. Meanwhile, essentially, God gives us the vision of love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And not, I'll tell you this now, we're going to do one, I think maybe December, we'll do one of the, one of our singles forum, the title will be, Don't Fall in Love, Walk into Love. Because you realize that everything in 1 Corinthians 13, there's nothing emotional about it, it's a choice. Will there be emotions to your love life, will there be emotions to your relationship life, they will be, but you can never build on that. Because the emotions will go. The emotions will fade. Things will come that will touch the emotions. That's when your act of will comes. Praise God. Let me give you an example. Right? Have you seen people who got married? And I mean, they're beautiful marriages. There's no doubt about that. But have you seen people who got married? You know, pre-wedding picture, wedding pictures, post-wedding pictures, after-wedding pictures, and all the pictures everywhere? And then two years down the line, they are struggling to probably have kids. And you now see the man talk to that woman as if it's the woman's problem. Have you seen that? And both of them go against each other. And just two years down the line, they were like, I can't eat without you. Now both of them are cooking in different pots. Do you know what is going to either cause that marriage to stay? It will not be the emotions of love. It will be the will and the act of love. Are you, following? Are you following what I'm saying? So beyond the emotions that society throws at us, beyond the picture in Instagram, beyond all of that, this thing is logical. This thing is calculative. This thing is something you need to talk through, that you need to ask questions. Is that, is that, is that very clear? You see, every time I see him, something just something. You will not live on something. You're not a drug addict. Beyond the something you feel every time you see him, you must come to terms with having proper conversations. So the word of God gives us those guidelines. Second Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. Let's start from there. Second Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. Is somebody learning anything already? Say amen if you are. Amen. amen. Praise God. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? Amplified says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Do not make mismated alliances with them or come under a different yoke with them. 
inconsistent with your faith. Inconsistent with your faith. For what partnership had right living and right standing with God with iniquity and lawlessness, or how can light have fellowship with darkness? He says, listen, if there is someone that is inconsistent with your faith, the first thing is there should be no partnership. Because it's amazing sometimes where you hear believers say, uh, he does not go to church, but he's a good person. It's not, it should not be in your framework of consideration. And then you hear what people say. People say, eh, even those who are going to church, are they not bad? You see, the point is this. That's where you yourself, you, you don't have sense. Because the truth of the matter is that nobody has asked you to marry somebody going to church. They have asked you to marry a believer who is a child of God. Believers who are children of God go to church. Sinners also go to church. Do you understand that? You see, we should stop making the mistake, the fact that people come, ah, I'm a pastor, but I will be self-deceptive to think that everybody who comes to my church is 100% righteous. I, I, do you understand what I'm saying? So we can't mistake the fact that people sit in church every Sunday and assume that they are believers. So it is in your engagement with them, you now know if they are living the faith life. So this is not just about marrying a good person. And what is our definition of good? He opens the door for me. He buys chocolates when he goes out. He does the, you know. <laughs> you know, in school, eh, my friends used to laugh at me a lot, but I don't know why they used to laugh, but they laughed. And one of the reasons is that they felt I was very unromantic. That they, they felt like that. Not that I'm, alive, I'm like that. But, <laughs> but they felt like that. And you know why they felt like that? Because anytime we had relationship issues, they brought all these things. And I, was, I used to tell them that, listen, these things, you can train a chimpanzee to act this way. You know, if you have a chimpanzee in this place, any, once you see any person, open the door. Once you see a girl coming, hand over the flower. Once you see, they will do it. But that there is a nature that only God can birth. That even when you make mistakes, that, that, that Holy Spirit in you will say, listen, you've gone the wrong track, come back. Are, are you following what I'm saying? Nobody will counsel you. The Spirit of God will speak to you. Your conscience will bring good to you. That thing, it cannot be trained. You either have it or you don't. And that has always been my emphasis. That has always been my emphasis. Are you following what I'm saying? It is that walk with God that will tell you, oh, you need to get your wife this, you need to do this. And the Spirit of God will instruct you. I'm not saying you shouldn't do all of those stuff because I've been in singles meeting where people say, tell them, tell the brothers, Christian brothers, they don't know how to treat people. Ah, that's why, that's why we're going outside. Okay, go. <laughs> and then you see very solid sisters in church marry some kind of people. See, ah, he drinks a little, not so much, just little. And then you know, brothers know how to pretend. You say, ah, I'm following into church, I've repented, I'm not touching anything again. Then after marriage, after like six months, when you guys have one kind of argument, say, ah, Essential. I just need one glass to cool my mind. Just cool my mind. <laughs> and in your mind, you're just feeling like, if it's to cool his mind, at least we need his mind cool. Say so you can have one glass. 
Say, so I need two. The way you are talking now, just need two. You see, by the time you are third year of marriage, you'll be a bartender. And you know, at that point, you can't do anything. So what I'm trying to say is this thing. There's no little compromise that is worth it. Never think of marriage as a short-term project. Think about it as a long-term project. Are you following what I'm saying? So we have clear-cut instructions from scriptures about not getting yoked with unbelievers. And who is an unbeliever in this context now? It's not just someone now who says, I don't believe in God. Is a man who is in church but does not even act the word. Because if you believe the word, what are you going to do? You're going to act the word. So do you understand the context of what I'm saying? So I'm not even talking about the person is a Muslim, the person says, no, no, no. I'm talking about somebody who is in church but will not act the word. He does not believe the word. Because in the days of adversities, it is on acting on the word that will scale you through. I mean, I'm just giving you, I'm giving you the worst scenarios, of course. You, you get married to someone, he has all the job in the world, has all the money in the world, bam, something happens, his company drops him, and those resources come, come off. What's going to happen? You know you're going to need God. Hello? I know some of you are saying God forbid already. That's why I said it's an example. I'm not saying it's you. But do you realize that? You're going to need God to do what? To scale true. Or imagine, getting married to someone like me, doing living and then the Lord says come come to Bonnie and start start something and then you know what we had a car someone blessed us with a car so I had a car we're about starting my wife had a, a daycare we had three staff working for for her and I was full-time we, we were doing okay we we're not doing bad and then the Lord sent us here and you know what happened the Lord instructed me that we should give our car to someone in the church so we gave the car we gave everything we came in here with one bag one bag. I came into this island with one bag and maybe like 5,000 naira in my pocket. That's how I came in. And you know, if, if our relationship was not built on the word of God, what's going to happen? I've suffered in my father's house before. I cannot go and check. Do, do you realize what I'm saying? So you now realize that if it was built on the fact that I had a car, now what's going to happen now? Challenges are going to come. Now, the, 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 the woman or the man is not going to say it's because you no longer have a car. They're not going to tell you outrightly, but the behavior is going to change. You just start getting it. You say, yeah, my dear, what is my dear? You just tell me what you want to say. You don't need to put my dear. And then you, you are wondering, ah, but you're not like this. Hey, I'm not like that. Hey, say, you, so, but you can't trace it. And you know the reason you can't trace it? Because it's not going to come and say because we don't have a car anymore. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? So the, what I really want us to build in this forum is let's build on the real stuff. Praise God. Okay. When we, I'll just say this quickly. When we moved to our house, where we're staying before we moved to our current house, when we moved there, there was no chair. There was no chair. We just have two plastic chairs, white plastic chairs there. I mean, this is just like five years ago. There was no chair. No single chair. Everything we needed, we wrote on a sheet of paper. We started praying. We started confessing. We started declaring the word. We started praying. We started confessing. We started declaring the word. That's how everything you see us have here, we got here by believing the word. And I was squatting with my friend in the area. We were squatting with him, and he was transferred. So he told us we could stay for a couple of months, maybe three months or six months. 
One day, I, I was coming, coming, going to where we were squatting in the area, and I just told myself, I said, Max, this area is self-deception. This is not where you belong. You know, you can just stroll in. Once you pass that gate, you just feel that, ah, your life. I looked at the house. I said, no. I just told my wife the next day, I said, on Sunday after service, we're moving to our house. Everybody was surprised. Like, they are not driving you. I said, yes, they are not driving me, but you should know what is not your own. Even though the person says you can stay for three months. You, you don't understand what I'm saying? It's not that you now stay and relax at the end of the third month. You now say, sir, just give us one more month. Something, God is about to do something. No. That is not your reality. Are you following? And then we had to move. Why am I giving you all of these stories? What I'm trying to say is this. Whoever you are getting yoked to must be somebody who believes the word of God enough to act on it. Because circumstances are going to come in your life where acting on the word is going to be the big deal. Either you're trusting God for a job, trusting God for the fruit of the womb, trusting God for your children to be healed, or trusting God to fulfill God's purpose for your life, you are going to need to act on the word. That's not when you want to go out with somebody who is sense-ruled. Praise God. Okay. So, let's go to Proverbs chapter 1. Wow. We're going to do this for two months, all right? Next, next month, we're going to continue on this. I'm, I'm very sure I'll not be able to finish. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8. I remember one of my friends asking me one time, have you ever preached a message that you finished in one session? Proverbs 1, 8. Are you there? Are you there? Say amen if you're there. All right. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Verse 11. If they say... Come with us. Let us lie in wait to shed blood. Let us lock secretly for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like sure and, and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all kinds of precious possessions. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in your lot among us. Let us have one pause. Verse 15. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path. You see, what Solomon's mother was telling him here... He says, listen, listen, don't walk in the path of the people who entice you into the path of compromise. Because you know what? They have already told you, they say, listen, we're going to fill our house with goods. We're going to do this. That means they give you a good end, but with the wrong process. Do you understand? Now, what that means is, they say, listen, when we do all of these things, we'll fill our house with good possession. How many of you know that to fill your house with good stuff is okay? Now, even though I shared with you, there were times we didn't have chairs in our house. It wasn't, it's better when you have chairs. Do, do you get my point? So, the point is, what are these people, now scripturally, now I'm going to go to some physical, social science, but what are these, what, are, what do, does these toxic people do spiritually? They entice you in the path of sin, but give you a good end, a good promise. So it's like somebody coming to you and say, listen, I'm going to marry you, but I just need to sleep with you. That's a good end, which is what? Marriage. But then the process is what? Is enticement. And then you now hear somebody say, like, if I don't sleep with you, then it means you don't love me. Now, what's the person trying to do now? What the person actually is trying to do is to redefine love. 
Because that's not what God's word says is true love. But then the person is trying to redefine love for you. Are you seeing that now? So it is enticement. Remember what you said about poison, right? The person is not going to come straight and say, this is what we're going to do. No, boy, after all, we're getting married. After all, we're getting married. After all, we're getting married. So he uses that good end. He keeps telling you about the marriage, the marriage, the marriage, the marriage, the marriage. But then the process. There are a lot of evil going on with the process. But he keeps that picture of marriage, marriage in front of you. And it's very simple. If you want to get married, there's a process to get married. Follow the process. Are you following what I'm saying? If you say, well, you can't wait, then hasten up the process. Because by the time you hasten up the process, nobody's going to, you don't need to ask permission from anybody. Even if you say you're not going to work again, that is just to be sleeping with me that you have, will now take as a full-time ministry. We're here. <laughs> do, you, do you get what I'm trying to say? But... Listen now. Listen to what the scripture is saying. It says, it will entice you and say, let's do this, let's do this. But the end of the matter is, we're going to fill our house with possessions. It says, don't walk in their path. So, scripturally, we see that toxic relationships are relationships that entice you in the path of sin, but promise you a good end. So, they give you a good end, but then there is this what enticement that follows it. Okay. Genesis 24. Genesis 24. Praise God. Genesis chapter 24 and verse 3. Genesis 24 verse 3. Am I right there? No, 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 no. That's not what I wanted. I wanted the story of, go to Deuteronomy 22. I wanted the story of Amnon and Tamar. Go to Deuteronomy 22 first. Genesis 24 is about Abraham. Go to Deuteronomy 22 verse 10. You shall not plow with an ox and a donkey together. What was the scripture trying to say here? It was just talking about, listen, not mixing breeds. Not mixing breed. Your relationships, should, it's, 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 it's a confirmation. I was talking to the people in church today about finding something in the Old and the New Testament. That's exactly what I'm talking about here. The same thing that Paul talked. We cannot be unequally yoked. Don't yoke an ox and a donkey together. They don't fit. Praise God. Go to Ezra chapter 9 and verse 2. Ezra 9.2 Ezra chapter 9 and verse 2 For they are taking some of their daughters as wives for themselves and their sons so that the holy seed is mixed with the people of those lands indeed. The hand of the leaders and the rulers have been foremost in this trespass. What was he trying to talk about here? He's talking about the children of Israel who came out of captivity and they went to marry those who they were not supposed to marry and then the holy seed was mixed and God was against them because they mixed the issues of the priesthood. Now, go back to Genesis 24. I find out what I want to say there. Genesis 24. Genesis 24, verse 1. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Verse 2. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house, who ruled over all that he has, Please put your hand under my tie. 
as a sign of covenant verse 3 and I'll make you swear by the Lord the God of heaven and the God of the earth that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell you see Abraham even though he was getting old was particular about the kind of person and where the wife of Isaac was why because he was perpetuating the covenant and he was careful about the terms of the covenant it's the same thing with us because the truth of the matter is that by the time you get married, you are raising a new generation. And you must be careful to make sure that you're raising a generation that works in covenant, that is working and pursuing the covenant. There's something you want to establish as a covenant of God over your home. You don't want to get married to, to, to <laughs> you don't want to get married to somebody who, I, I mean, we believe, we have what we say, we, I mean, confession words are big in our home. That's how we're raised. That's how we, we got into you know, the word. And then you don't want to marry somebody who does not believe that words don't matter. So while you are confessing and busy speaking the right words, the person is busy negating everything. Praise God. You know, sometimes it's difficult to get a husband and a wife. You're so amazed that a husband and a wife never in agreement on anything. It's almost like two political parties. It's just like when the husband says, I'm going this way, the wife just decides that moment, then I'm going this way. Praise God. So it's important from the beginning that these things are said right. The word of God must be the final authority in your relationship. Seven signs from all the scriptures we have read now. Number one, a toxic relationship biblically is a relationship that causes you to sin outrightly. Any relationship that just causes you to sin outrightly. You know this is sin, but the relationship pushes you into it. Number two, they disregard spiritual things and look down on spiritual things with less value. Uh, remember the story of Amnon and Tamar when, uh, when the friend advised him to rape his sister. You know, the advice came like wisdom. It, you know, do you know that when, the, when, when, when he said to, to him, like, you know, I want to sleep with my sister or I desire my sister, if the friend had said, come on, my friend, don't think of this thing, or go and meet the king and do the proper thing, do you know that desire and that temptation in his life would have stopped? Are you with me? But you know what happened? The friend encouraged him, and he ended up raping his own sister. So you must be careful. Yeah, Second uh, Samuel 13. He says, lie down on your bed. Pretend to be ill. When your father comes to see you, say to him, please let my sister Tama come and give me food and prepare the food in my sight that I may be able to eat it from my hand. I don't, it's a long stop. But when you read on, when the lady brought the food, he said, oh, come and feed me in the bedroom. <laughs> he wants to eat from my hand. The plates are not sufficient anymore. Are you following what I'm saying? Now let me explain something to you. I know this about life. You know this about life. The fact that you are innocent doesn't mean that the other person who is toxic cannot take advantage of you. That's why we're having these classes. The lady was innocent. She did it with her, her Do you understand? She, she innocently cooked. She innocently did it. That's why most times, right? Well, that's a sensitive issue. I don't want to touch that. But you observe something about life that sometimes you just need to be aware. You just need to pick up these signs. Praise the name of the Lord. You just need to pick up these signs. Number, th number three. 
Compromise your set standards and values. So you must have your standard. You must have your values. Toxic relationships will make you to compromise your set standard and values. Number four. They aid and enhances whatever evil intention you have. If certain things are coming up in your heart that you feel are not right, these toxic relationships will aid them because the end is to get you into death. So you need to ask yourself, the people around me, what are they aiding? What are they supporting? What are they causing to grow? Praise God. I said praise God. Number five, toxic relationships create an environment for sin to thrive. They, create, they make it conducive for sin to thrive. They make it conducive for sin to thrive. Number six. Are you still with me? There are subtle influences to walk away from your purpose. Toxic relationships are very subtle, but they'll make you walk away from where? From your purpose. Let me explain this to you and listen very carefully. Every relationship should aid your purpose. Every relationship should aid what? Your purpose. If, it, if somebody gets into your life, the first question is, is this person supporting my purpose? Is he helping me to get my purpose fulfilled? And I've said that a lot to, to, to guys, brothers, men. Sometimes we always interpret this scripture as, you know, which is sometimes, you know, but women has come to help us fulfill vision and the rest. But the truth of the matter is that before you met that woman, before you met that girl, God has also put certain things in her heart. Yes? Or you ladies, God doesn't put stuff in your heart. I don't know, I'm not a lady. Huh? Okay. It's only two of you. The rest of you, there's nothing in your heart. You just want to marry. <laughs> but this is the point. This is the point. You realize that even when you get married to a man, the man should help you fulfill your purpose. Because before you got married, there were purposes locked up in your spirit already. So it's not just about you helping the man fulfill his purpose. It's about the man looking the other way and say, I think there's some, in fact, this is what I tell every guy. Every lady that marries you should be able to be grateful to God that, see, when I married my wife, I realized that, when I married my husband, I realized I didn't even have this courage to do this all day, but my husband encouraged me and pushed me on. It's not like you were doing, you were on fire, you were doing stuff, and then by the time you got married, bam, everything just went silent. So, a toxic relationship will, will be subtle influences to walk away from your purpose. Some of you very active in church, doing stuff, and you just get into any relationship, and the man starts, starts, <laughs> yeah, I used to call it, I did a series one time, I used to teach very, very, very funny where they were true, sure, but we had funny topics in those days. I taught a series called Encasement or Engagement. You know, engagement leads you to pro productivity. Encasement is like putting you, you know, how you get into all those relationships. You can't call anybody again. You can't go anywhere again without permission. So I called it Encasement or Engagement. I like it. Maybe I'll teach it again. Seven. Seven. For toxic relationships, the end justifies the means. It is about getting results by all means. So they don't care what process is destroyed. You have to get results by all means, like we read in the book of Proverbs. So I want you to go back home and study that Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8 to 15, and begin to see how that works. 
So it is enticing. Like I said from the beginning, it's not about sometimes it will not be seen outrightly, but then you begin to have these traces of compromise about it, and you need to really identify it. Praise God. I said, praise God. Okay, so these are this is from a biblical sense, okay? Now, I'm going to, I, I looked at it also from a social sense. So I have about, here I have about 35 signs of toxic relationships, okay? So I'm going to do 17, and then I'll, we'll, next month we'll continue to up to the 35, and then we'll do on how to exit. Is that okay? <laughs> Say something. Thank you. All right. So, oh, you want all the 35 today? Ah, okay, what are your options? You don't have. <laughs> okay, yeah, but, but I, want us to, I want us to be able to also have a brief time for question and answer. So, and I don't want to rush it. So, if I, if I say let me go through all the 35, I'm going to rush. So, we're going to meet next month again, so there's no need to rush. <laughs> okay, number one. So what I've, the first six, the first seven I gave you were from the biblical perspective, okay? Which is from the scriptures we read. So this is just, I'm looking at it now from a social perspective. Like, we're just looking at it from a practical social perspective now. Number one, um, toxic relationships, number one, you have all take and no give. All take and no give. Any relationship in which you experience withdrawals of energy without deposit will leave you in the negative. So you are in this relationship. I'm not even sure I'll be able to do all 17. Maybe I'll do six. You are in this relationship and you are the one expending. You are the one giving. You know, I did that example one time in Bauchi and Me I think that's the place I have done that example and it sank. Like the response was alarming. I was teaching a uh, relationship class in Bauchi about three, four years ago. And then I took two bottles of water. I was teaching on the law of mutual values. So it's in my book, uh, Love, Lost, and Lies. The law of mutual values, five fundamental laws of relationship. And I said, if these two bottles have water, right? And this is the boy, this is the girl. They have water in them. And then one person keeps turning and keep 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 turning. What's going to happen to this bottle? It's going to be empty. What do you do with empty bottles? Throw them away. I mean, you know what happened? So I was doing that exercise, doing that exercise, doing that exercise. So when I got in, I didn't ask them the question. So I just said, what do you do with empty bottles? So I just threw the bottle away. When the bottle landed, you could feel people that felt like that bottle. Like, hey! <laughs> The response, I can't forget that response. But listen, if both of them have water in them, regardless of the level of water, and this turns a bit, 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 what's going to happen? Both of them will still have something. If, you, if there's any relationship you are in, you are the only one giving. Walk away. Don't pray about it. Just walk. While you are walking, be praying. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Whether it's a boy-girl relationship or whatever kind of relationship, I don't even encourage ladies in my church to be in relationships that don't give gifts. You are not born to be a victim. Don't get into a relationship with a need mindset. You are the seed of Abraham. Are you following what I'm saying? Don't go into there and say, ah, you don't even buy me stuff. You don't even buy me stuff. You don't even buy me stuff. You are not helpless. You are not an orphan. No, I, 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 and that's very important. 
Don't wait to be a receiver. Be a giver. And this is not just about things. Give words of encouragement. Give, you know, there are many things to give, but number one, all take and not give. So you need to look at your relationship. Are you the one expended? I do that every year. Towards the end of, of every year, I review all my friends, sometimes including pastors. Am I the only one calling you? If I'm the one calling, checking on you, 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 that year is your last year. Why, why am I checking on you? If, I mean, no animosity, nothing, but I don't have energy for anything that's not mutual. Are you following what I'm saying? There may be five years down the line, person called me, I have not heard your voice. I say, if you called me, you called me now, you heard my voice, right? You have not heard my voice because you didn't call. There's no need putting guilt on me. So, it, I mean, it's the way I work. Because anything that is not mutual will get wearisome. Life was never designed for one person to be the giver. Only God is the one who, even him, we give him glory. Praise God. All right, so number two, you always have a sense of feeling drained. Instead of feeling happy and productive, you're always mentally, emotionally, even physically drained. Then it is time to reevaluate. You start a call with this person, it's all exciting, but you always end up in quarrel. The call starts well, but at the end, there's always issues to settle. By the time you finish the call, you are exhausted. You sit in their presence, at the end of the day, you are exhausted. Are you following what I'm saying? You are always drained, then it's time to think. You're not productive, you don't live happy. Number three, there's lack of trust. Toxic relationships, there's lack of trust. Lack of trust. A relationship without trust is like a car without a gas. You can stay in it all you want, but it won't get anywhere. It's like you have a vehicle now and there's no fuel in it. Then you're just parked inside. Say, where are you? Where, why are you inside? He says, because it's a car. You can't be inside because it's a car. You are inside because the car has to go somewhere. Are you following what I'm saying? So, once there are issues of trust, you need to start passing. Because you know what? You can't monitor people all your life. You are not the police. Are you following what I'm saying? Once issues of trust, and that's why the fundamental thing in any relationship is trust. Once trust is broken, it's hard. And I'll beg you, I'll beg you, don't break trust. Once you break trust, it takes a while to regain it. Because you'll be under probation sometimes for the rest of your life. Are you following what I'm saying? So, toxic relationship, there's no trust. And that's I also tell guys also, don't now be going out with a girl, you are constantly doing inspection. You, you are not the inspector general of police. You see, you don't need those drama in your life. I, I don't know why people like giving themselves issues. You know, people just take unnecessary job on themselves. You will now go and open another Facebook account with another name and send friend requests and be tempting the person where I refer. Are you, are you normal? How do you want to live life that way? You know, because sometimes we do these things and we feel that we are wise. But ask yourself, is that now the person you want to get married to for the rest of your life with all those investigative uh, abilities at work? 
do, do you understand what I'm trying? It looks like it's okay. I'm just trying it. But listen, is your life not worth more than that? Praise God. Oh, you are going to be inspecting phone at night. It's coming, it's coming. <laughs> One of the things that always has helped me in this life is I try my best. Even when I make mistakes, I mean, I'm not perfect, but even when I make mistakes, I quickly correct myself. I repent before the Lord and I just keep walking. Life is hard. You don't want to add extra weight. Are you following what I'm saying? You don't want to sleep and you think someone is checking your phone and you just get up and realize, oh, nobody was checking. It was a rat that was passing. You now have a heart attack and just die. Why? Are you following what I'm saying? That's why from the one, I've never been somebody who liked debt. In fact, when I was getting married to my wife, that was one of the questions I asked her. Do you like borrowing money? She said, no. I said, okay. Because I don't. Anybody that knocks at my door, I know they're coming for something, not because I'm owing them anything. I've literally gone days without food when there was no money because I can't borrow. You just have to make sure that the troubles in your life are minimal. Even Jesus said it, that sufficient are the troubles for a day. There are issues in this life. You don't want relationship to become one of them. When everybody is sleeping, you are just crying in the pillow. <laughs> what is it? Nothing. And then you cry throughout the whole night. Then you have to go to work. And then you meet a boss that will have life. Then you finish that. Then you now continue crying. You can eliminate that cry at night so that you can just sleep peacefully. Listen very carefully to this announcement. You must not be in a relationship. Is not is not a status symbol. Do you do you, that's I like that thing in Facebook sometimes you see relationship say complicated. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is this: don't force yourself. Have enough healthy self-esteem that when people ask you, are you in a relationship? Say no. And then when they start trying to make you feel guilty, listen, they are part of the toxic people in your life. Eliminate them. Because the truth of the matter is that, and, 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 and I mean, if you, ask, if, you ask my, if you ask people around me, I mean, even my pastors, I've never forced any of them to get married. I got married quite early, but I've never forced them. I'll just ask them, do you have someone in your life? No, okay. Do you, do you, do you? I mean, my, my pastor is here. He was had a relationship in a local church then. And then the thing was, the drama was too much. You just may say, what's your counsel? It's nothing to counsel here now. Just walk. There, they are, there are many good people you have not seen. Are you hearing? That thing is, if I lose this one, no, there are many. <laughs> Sometimes it's your, it's your location that's making you feel that there are not many. There are many good people. There are many intelligent people. There are many brilliant people. There are many godly people. There are many ladies who are on fire for God. There are many men who are on fire for God. So you can't shortchange your life because you think that you have gotten a precious commodity that you can't lose. No. No. And so there's no, there's no rush about it. And people around me, I don't rush them to get married because we almost make people feel that if you are not married, then something is wrong. And then at the end, by the time they get married, 
we are now putting, you know, there's always this pressure, right? You get married, when are you giving birth? Then you give birth, when is the second one? You give her, and there are three girls now, when is the boy? There is pressure and pressure and pressure. I remember one time. Have I done up to one hour? Yes, okay. Have I done up to one hour? Yeah, okay. <laughs> the issue is that if it's more than one hour, the compression is there. I remember one time my dad came to me and was like, ah, you need to have another child. I said, oh, really? I never thought of it. So, said again, Sarah said, this conversation is very easy. It won't take me three minutes to have a baby. Trust me. I said, but if for us to have this conversation again, if you send five million naira into my account, I'll send you a hospital report the next week. Pregnancy positive. That ended the conversation. And I was not joking. I was not, it's not, uh, how would daddy feel? You, you, if you, if there's anything with your feeling, credit my account. There's no, is, is the options are there. It won't take me time. With, with five million, I'll be able to save and sort out the guy that is coming or the girl that is coming, whoever is coming. Yeah, these are not conversations you are emotional about. How will you feel? When you had opportunity, you had five of us. This is me. This is my opportunity. I've chosen to take two. Anything above that, we will share the work. And the work has to be financial on your part. Do you understand? It's not that uh, daddy has been talking. You can't be talking. Because at the end of the day, it is my responsibility. It is my choice. And that is what I really want us to wrap up with. Whether you choose to go into a relationship or not is your choice. It's not the choice of your friends. You don't share emotional heartbreak. If they leave you, it is only you they left, not your friends. They don't share the cry. We can only tell you, it's okay, another man is coming. But it's your heart that will be broken. It's not our heart. How many of you know they, are not, they don't corporately break people's hearts? Your friends will be saying, that John is a wicked person. God will punish him. God will punish him. When they go home, they'll go and eat. You do the crying. Do you know what I'm saying? They say, he will not be wealthy with him. He will, he will marry a wicked person in his life. And, you know, I don't know how God does this. Some people will just sit there, you will just marry one nice person. Do you understand what I'm saying? What I'm trying to say is, listen, you've got to own up. It's your life. So when you are making the choices, don't step into a toxic relationship because of what your friends will say. It is okay not to have any person and just focus on your life and build yourself for the right person to come. Praise God. Last one, hostile environment. So we'll do four. Hostile environment. Constant anger is a sure sign of an unhealthy relationship. You should never be around hostility because it makes you feel unsafe. So, are you in this relationship where, you know, there are relationships where there's just anger. You, you yourself, you don't even know where the anger is coming from. Before you just realize you're quarreling. <laughs> Do you understand? That's hostile. Hostile environment. Every relationship should thrive in an environment of mutual respect, mutual love, forgiveness. Praise God. Forgiveness. Where you can easily be forgiven. We will all make mistakes. You will make mistakes in relationships. But you don't now want to be in a relationship with somebody that when you make mistakes, they will take you to the cleaners for it. Praise God. I said, Praise God. You know, one of the things, and I'll just say this quickly, you know one of the things 
about relationship is this, right? You know why relationship needs a lot of wisdom? Is your two people coming together from different backgrounds. Some of us don't know how influential our background is on us until we start acting. Praise God. I'll give you a quick, quick example and I'll, I'll close. I mean, my, my dad, my parents love us, absolutely. I don't doubt if my parents love me. I'll never question that. Although there was a day my mother beat me and I had to ask my father if that was my real mother. But then <laughs> he said, yes. In fact, when I asked my father, my, then my father slapped me again and I got the answer very quickly. It was not verbal. I got the answer in my mind. But let me tell you, I never probably grew up in a home where my dad said, you know, I love you. And hug. the first day I hugged my dad, hey, I was like, you hugged Danilo Kotri, like finally. You know, you know, we might laugh about that, but that's how I was raised, right? Then I realized, after I had my son, I realized after a while, it will be in my heart to say I love you, but it's not coming out. Do you understand? It's there in my heart. I want to say it, but the words are not coming out. And I now told myself, ah, this is my upbringing. That you will know your father loves you, but he never says it. Now, it was difficult for my son. It was, it was difficult for my son. But when I had my daughter, uh, be, okay, be, before we had Zara, I mean, I had practiced enough. To Zara, it is common. That's my, my little girl. It's common. It's easier. Do, do you understand that? Now, it took me that even when she's going to sleep, that's one thing. If she calls me on phone, even if, if you're here with, with two of them and I call both of them, even my son finds it difficult too because he didn't get that. So he would just say, oh, take care, bye-bye. The last one will always say, I love you. It's easier for her. Why? She just grew up hearing that, hearing that, hearing that. Now, this is where I'm going. Although I know that is a good thing to do, my upbringing... I had to renew my mind and consciously work on it to be able to say it fluently. Are, are you following? I'm just going somewhere. Are you following what I'm saying? So you can have a man who loves you, but it's difficult for him to say it. Why? Because nobody said it to him and he has not said it to anybody. So the man, we, so sometimes when you are not fighting, you can say it. Say, just say it. Say, <laughs> like, hey, but you know now, then you know what the guy will do? He will buy flour. He will buy this. He will buy... And you don't understand. He can't say, say it. <laughs> you know? Then, then, when he now says, I love you, say, it's not because I told you. Be saying it on your own. The man cannot. He has the desire, but the words are not coming out. Now, this is where I'm going. If you also don't understand how background plays in people's life, you will now run into trouble. So what will happen? You break that relationship and say, the guy doesn't love me. And then he explains to all his friends how he really loves you. Do, do, you, do you get what I'm saying? So we must never underplay where people are coming from. So this is where I'm going with this point. Final point. A preacher must have three final closings. This is the, this is the final one. <laughs> this is the final one. The final one is this. If somebody grew up in a toxic environment, the tendency is that it will be toxic. So, if you grew up in a toxic environment, you hate it, you don't want it, you need to go to the Word of God and work on yourself. If not, you know what is going to happen? Even though you don't want it, you will reproduce it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, you now need to go to the Word of God and say, listen, 
God, help me in this area to deal with it. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Bless you for wisdom, revelation, and insight. And Father, we just pray that the areas we need to make adjustments, that you help us with it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.